Welcome to Mayo Music. I am your host, Dan Pulaski. Mayo Music is an interview series where I chat with artists, musicians, and producers about their journeys in the music industry. Today I spoke with Travis, the lead singer for the band Night Riots. The band was selected as one of Rolling Stone's top unsigned bands in the U.S. Last year they raised over $11,000 to fund the release of their EP, Young Lore. The band has opened up for Aerosmith, The Script, and Angels and Airwaves. In the interview, we talk about their strategy for touring and breaking into new markets. Travis also gives us some songwriting tips. We also talk about how they raised $11,000 on Indiegogo. Let's do it. So I know you guys have been playing together for a long time. Um, when you guys first started taking music seriously, what did you guys focus on? Was it getting recordings done or live shows? That's a good question. Um... It's actually a great question. To be honest, I think it was all about working on the music. Um, shows have been very important to us, but I think actually only recently we've really, really started to delve into how important they are and how, as an artist in this day and age, um, you know, that's that's what we're doing all the time. If if we make a career off of it, or as we're making a career off of it. Um, most artists these days make their career off the actual live shows and you know the funny thing is that bands will spend years or like months and months and almost like probably years on an album but then when it comes to their actual live show they'll spend three days rehearsing where it's like you need to be you know totally transporting people to come to your shows and giving them something awesome mm -hmm. so, so at that time were you guys just doing live shows, or did you guys record a little bit to then, I guess, use to get live shows? Oh, okay. So I guess we were always jamming, and and we were playing shows uh, actually locally around this area, and and then uh, then we started releasing material. Okay. And that that first material you guys released, did you guys record that yourselves, or did you uh, you know pay for some studio time? We would usually go in with somebody. Um, we worked with a couple different people, but just very uh, no pro no production or anything like that. We wrote all the songs in our our garages, and then we'd come out and and uh, just record them. Cool. Okay. So so I take it you guys played quite a bit locally before you guys started venturing to new cities and stuff. Definitely, that was always kind of a big. Um, factor for us was working on our, you know, working smaller and then expanding out. Uh, I had done some touring with some other bands where we tried to take on the whole U.S. all at once, and it was just so brutal and, you know, trying to get four or five kids out and then drive 15 hours to the next venue and then still just trying to, like, get four people out it just didn't make as much sense as like working on a specific area and really building up markets until you had like 300 to 400 kids coming out. Mm -hmm. so, so how did you do that? How did you make that transition um, from playing locally to playing in cities that you had never been in before? I think it was, a, it was a slow progression. We knew that we had to expand, but we kind of wanted to make it you know, step by step. So we worked on our home area, and then I think we slowly kind of worked in between San Francisco and Los Angeles, and then 
once we had like a little market going there, we'd move on a little bit further out and just keep expanding. And you know, we're still doing it. I mean, we've we've still mostly just focused on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, was there any was there any specific thing things you guys did? You know, in a new city, how did you guys just get those initial gigs? Did you kind of reach out to local artists and kind of open up for them, or or how yeah, did you uh, do that? These are good questions, by the way. Uh, Thank you. I think that initially, when we didn't really have any kind of reputation behind us, it was really hard. It was kind of a grind, and you know, just going out and trying to go a couple of days in advance and just like doing what you could, trying to go out and flyer. Um, and just meeting people, but that's really hard because you know you you go to a new city and you don't know where people hang out and mm-hmm. and even if you do find a place where there are people, you don't know if they're gonna like your type of music or whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. Fortunately, as we started to build a little bit, we were able to sort of leverage that. So it's really interesting because recently it's starting to progress faster and faster, uh, especially with promoters and like radio and and different things within a market it's like we can already we can tap into a market easily more easily because we have a little bit of a reputation behind us okay i i read in a previous interview um i guess you kind of touched on it there um that you guys rather than playing a different city every night that you guys would stay in a city for a few days and even play multiple shows at several venues yeah um, how how were you able to set that up? Because I know you're saying you know expanding in the new cities, you kind of went slow. Was it a challenge to get like like I feel like it was a challenge just to get one venue, you know, convince one promoter, one venue to book you. You got multiple in like a new city. Like how did that work? Yeah, um, I mean, it's, talk it's about like, that a little bit. We have uh, we've always done everything ourselves, so that comes down to booking. Everything we do is ourselves, and. Uh, Michael handles most of the booking and he would kind of come up with a strategy for that. And yeah, so for example, we take on Arizona. I don't know if we would play multiple shows within a week. We're, we're more about uh, getting one show and really focusing on it. But what we did do a couple times is we play colleges or we play high schools or just things, anything, any opportunity that we had to maybe reach a couple people and spend more time in that city uh, rather than just brushing past it and moving on to the next one, really trying to develop the relationships while we're there. Mm-hmm. Is that, I mean, is that something you guys you think you're going to continue to do as you expand? I mean, was this, you know, an effective approach? Yeah, absolutely. I think that if we, it all, it all just depends. I mean, you know, some recently it's been more. We'll go to, we'll basically be invited to a city, and and you know, the best thing that a band can have is to, if you don't have a market obviously is to um, be support for a bigger band. And that's just, I mean, it's exponential that way because, you know, you can grind for so long, but it it is very difficult to just keep, if you're playing for 10 people each night. Um, And, you know, yes, you do come to that city and you you play for 10 people the first time, and if you're a good band, then hypothetically you should be able to bring 15 to 20 the next time and hypothetically 30 to 40, and it should be exponential like that. But it's also, um, there's a lot of factors involved in that, depending on when you when you go back, what venue you play, what day of the week you play, who you play with. There's so many factors. Whereas if you come through town with a band who has a sold-out show of whatever, it doesn't even matter if it's 500 or if it's 2,000, 
you know, those are just right there, people that are interested in your type of music that are going to hear your music. You're going to be able to go out and, like, talk to them and give them your music, and it just makes it so much easier. So I guess recently we've been fortunate enough to be getting those opportunities, and hopefully we can keep doing that because it's a whole lot easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I saw that you guys are basically, you guys have a residency at Hemingway's in L.A. Yep. In, for the month of August. How did yep. you how did you set that up? Uh, we just, we, I think we just hit them up. Uh, we knew that we were going to be finishing up our EP and would be down in L.A. for a while, so we figured, well, it would be cool to um, place with some cool local bands, and uh, the venue is really awesome. I'm a huge Hemingway fan, and... Uh, it just seemed right. Oh, very cool, very cool. Um, now, you guys, I guess this was a couple years back, you guys were selected for Rolling Stone's top 16 unsigned bands in the U.S. Um, how did that happen? Did they reach out to you guys? Did you guys do anything to get on that list? No, that was that was totally out of the blue, and especially because we were really, really small at that point. We were just kind of starting out, and so... I don't know. I, I still to this day don't know how they got word of us, but I guess somebody within the the whole system uh, just put us in there, and we got we got chosen. Hmm. And then cool. and then at that point, they ran like a competition for those bands to get on the cover of Rolling Stone, or or was that separate? No, that was that was all part of the thing. So okay, you know, it was an opportunity. I think that when we went into it. The the whole thing was you get a you get to be on the cover of Rolling Stone if you win, and then you also get a record contract with um, with a major label. Mm-hmm. But you know the thing is when you when you signed up to be because they approached us first said do you want to be a part of this and we said yeah sure, um, but you have to basically sign a waiver that says that if you win you get signed to their um, to that major mm-hmm. label. But it was I just remember it was a really bad deal. Yeah, like, I mean, it's good enough that you get so much exposure, but like realistically, it wasn't like a very good one. Mm-hmm. So I remember wanting to just get to like the second or third round and then be be cut. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so I mean, what did you guys get out of that experience and and kind of, I guess that that competition experience? Because I know there's a lot out there. I think maybe artists sometimes consider you know kind of taking part in those voting type competitions and things. Um, I mean, what's your insight into that? And, like, is it worth, I guess, the time and focus on kind of doing those? Was that one... I mean, I, it is a little different because you guys were invited. Um, right. But, you know, the, the competition part, I guess, after the invite. What was you your that, thoughts on that? It was good for us. I mean, that was one of those things that, like I was saying earlier, how you kind of start to build a bit of a reputation. It's almost like a resume or something. And that has been a, a talking point when you approach a new promoter or something. It gives you a little bit of credibility. But in general, like, we avoid those things at all costs. It, all those voting things, it just all, you know, it's so hard to, you know, distinguish yourself as a band unless you show people your music or you play for them. A lot of the voting things are just people saying, like, hey, like, reaching out to all their fans who, whether they're fans of their music or they're fans of, of themselves, them as people, you know, they just get that small little pocket, and it's all these, like, little armies. It just is a waste of time, we think. And we'd rather just, yeah. like, you know, get real fans. 
Very good. Very good. Um, let's see. Um, I guess I guess another thing you guys were also on. You guys were also on the uh, MTV's list of criminally overlooked artists of 2012. I think it was called. Yeah. Um, did you guys do anything for that, or was that also just they reached out to you, or just they that was featured another, you? Yeah, that was. I mean, we know. Um, we've been out to New York a couple times, and uh, did some stuff with MTV and did some things with Fuse, so they know who we are. Um, and yeah, so they just they just put us on the list. We didn't right. pay anyone. Very good. Yeah, that was a pretty awesome list. You guys were were featured next to some amazing artists. I remember Macklemore was on it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, all right, let's, uh, let's switch gears a little bit. Um, about a year ago, you guys raised over $11,000 on Indiegogo to fund the release of your EP, Young Lore. Um, besides, you know, reaching out to your Twitter followers, your, um, you know, your fans on Facebook, and your email list, um, how else did you guys make sure that campaign was successful? Um, did you guys, you know, seek press from bloggers? Um, were there any other kind of less traditional methods uh, you guys used to get backers? I think a lot of it was. Um, I think we were all re we were wary of doing it. I think it is another one of those situations that kind of felt, you know, it's that thing where you're you ask so much of your fans. As it is, even just inviting them. Not not that it's a, a hassle to, to invite them out to shows, but it as a band, it does always feel like you're kind of like, hey, can you do this for us? Like, And especially if you start doing those voting things, things like that, it's like you want to be able to give more than you get as a band. And so this was something where it was, you know, we knew that it was asking a lot for people to, like, financially donate to the band, and we knew it was a risk as well. Um, so I think our whole strategy was that we wanted to give people stuff that was really cool and to allow them to feel like they were part of the album and do what we could as people to like make it special. And so we spent a lot, I mean, I spent, I don't even know, like 15 hours in this room here, this little closet of a room making um, um, prints to put out with every package that I had hand carved like a couple different designs and you know we went and made this crazy animation video that was something that was a little bit you know we felt was entertaining and you know uh, really worked hard and tried to pay attention to the details because um, we figured if people were gonna donate to us we better you know we better spend time on the details and really make it worthwhile for them Okay, so so for you guys, it was it was all about just structuring the whole package and the whole um, you know Kickstarter experience with the um, you know with the perks and everything. Right, um, and I think what you said before about reaching out to blogs, yes, we did, um, but that is a little bit difficult. I think as a band, it's it's kind of like as I was saying before, you have your you know your community that you've built up, and to ask money for for your band, it, you the fan generally has to have an investment in you in order to give that money. So that's why it was so surprising. I mean, if we had some, like, crazy technological... You'll see a lot of, like, technology things on those Kickstarter campaigns, and those will have random people donating because they'll be like, oh, my God, holographic, like, you know, sunglasses. This looks sick. I'm going to, like, add mm -hmm. to that. 
Whereas a band, it's less, it's it's harder to be seen. Um, so it was, it was like just so rad to, to see that we got eleven grand, and it was not like one person's mom giving five grand. It was, you know, it was three hundred or four hundred people each giving, you know, anywhere from ten to fifty to two hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. So, cool. Um, well, I just briefly wanted to ask you. Um, so, you guys, I know you guys changed your name from PK to Night Riots. Yep. Uh, due to some potential, you know, copyright issues. Besides just a Google search, like, how did you guys decide that Night Riots was like free and clear to use? Um, um, with with kind of the my with my idea with this question is, you know, how how does a young band make sure that they're not going to run into any, you know, issues not- in the future? We, I, I actually have the list somewhere around here right now, but we have, I have papers and papers and papers of names. We're just going through stuff. I, w- I would like to say that it was like a simple thing, but uh, there are a lot of details. We didn't want to run into the same thing again um, because with the trademark, you can run into if there was a band in the 70s and they have printed material, then hypothetically they could come out of the woodwork and, and like, see you or... Um, you know, there may be a clothing line. Like, there's different... It doesn't just have to be a band. It can be, like, a brand of, of clothing, or it can be a merchandise. There's, like, a couple different things. Um, there, We just were really diligent about research. We just went and looked everywhere. And then I think that there's some copyright um, websites so you can look up names and see if, if things are um, taken enough. Gotcha. Okay, um, and then I got two more final questions for you. Um, was there anything you feel like you guys made a mistake? You know, what was a big mistake you guys made as a band that maybe you know other artists could avoid? It's hmm. a good question. It doesn't have to be a huge mistake. It could be something small. You know, it could be something you know in the early days that maybe a lot of bands make, but. Um, I think, you know, it's it's to to be honest, everything has been, you know, of course I would like to go back and do certain things, but everything has been sort of for a reason, and we're at the right time, at the right place. I mean, I almost feel like some of the mistakes we made, we did learn from, and I think, you know, if we wouldn't be where we are now without those mistakes. Okay. So, no, I, I, I feel pretty confident. I think, if anything, it's just, you know, you need to trust your intuition, and you need to focus on your music and not be writing for other people. I think that's a really important thing. Okay. Do, do you want to maybe maybe explain that a little bit, or what, what, what that means? As you start to build, uh, as a band, when you first start, you're just buddies in a garage making music. And then people start to come into your team and everybody has a little bit of opinion and not that you know and that's from everything that's from lawyers to managers to producers to like other band members like everybody's gonna start having input and you need to stick to your guns remember your core group of people who are writing um, and you know, don't yeah, just don't write for other people. Just write what comes out of you. Like, allow yourself to just create, and and don't second guess yourself. Just create, 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 create. Um, that one, and then we've never had a problem with this, fortunately. But you just you should always be respectful and and good to your band members. Like, that's 
you know, something that I think is one of our strongest attributes is we're all really good to each other, and I, I think you need to keep telling each other um, how how good of a job they're doing. Okay. And, and I guess you kind of touched on it with that answer, but is there anything else you think you guys have just done really well as a band? Um, yeah, I mean, that's one of the main ones. I think... You know, just continuing to have faith in it. It's it's a difficult it's a difficult um, career to be moving forward with. It's, there's no like how to for dummies book, um, and I just feel like everybody's you know in in our band has persevered and been really strong and focused, and I think that's that's a really good thing. Great. All right, Travis. Well, that's all I have for you. Um, thank you for uh, for coming on. Yeah, thank you very much. All right, man. Take care. Yeah.